Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. We're taking a look at the dark side of technological advancements in our week titled Modern Dilemmas. We got it started Monday with cell phones. Tuesday, we explored social media. Wednesday, we took a closer look at binge watching. Yesterday, we dug into Google. And today, we're confronting trolls. Besides the devices themselves, we have to consider the dark side of access and connection. The more sinister traits in humanity the shroud of anonymity sometimes nurtures. Journalist Andrew Morantz spent three years embedded in the world of internet trolls and social media propagandists, seeking out people who are propelling fringe talking points into the heart of conversation online, trying to understand how they're making their ideas spread. He went down the rabbit hole of online propaganda and misinformation to learn how we might make the internet less toxic. Morantz explains there's a lot of toxic garbage out there, racist memes, misogynist propaganda, viral misinformation. The simple truth is facts do not drive conversations online. What drives conversations online is emotion. The original premise of social media was that it was going to bring all of us together, make the world more open and tolerant and fair, and it did some of that. But the social media algorithms have never been built to distinguish between what's true or false, what's bad or what's good for society, what's pro-social and what's anti-social. A lot of what algorithms do is measure engagement, clicks, comments, shares, retweets. And if we want our content to get engagement, it has to spark emotion, specifically what behavioral scientists call high arousal emotion. It means anything positive or negative that gets people's hearts pumping. By the way, we also experience a lot of these same kinds of attention-grabbing efforts in modern media, in flashy headlines and fear-based news narratives. Morantz recounts that he sat with a good many propagandists and trolls, dozens of them, and what he discovered was almost always a combination of a high IQ and a low EQ. He explains, they seem to take comfort in anonymous online spaces rather than connecting in the real world. So often they would retreat to these message boards or these subreddits where their worst impulses would be magnified. They might start out saying something just as a sick joke, And then they'd get so much positive reinforcement for that joke, so many meaningless internet points, as they called it, that they might start believing their own joke. They'd feel validated. They start feeling a sense of community. And then they'd often convince themselves that some aspect of what they're perpetuating is actually true. And how could they not when their community is reflecting their statements as truth? Morantz proposes that our first line of defense is to be a skeptic. He explains that there are two kinds of skepticism, smart skepticism and dumb skepticism. So smart skepticism, thinking for yourself, questioning every claim, demanding evidence, that's real skepticism. Dumb skepticism often sounds and feels like regular skepticism, but is actually just knee-jerk contrarianism. It's in lieu of all the evidence, in lieu of the professional, trustworthy information. I object for no good reason other than my emotional stance. I refuse to believe. He goes on to say, we should all be independently minded, but we should also be smart about it. Next, Morantz poses a thought on free speech. You'll hear smart, accomplished people say, well, I'm pro-free speech. And they say it like they're settling a debate. 
when actually that is the very beginning of the meaningful conversation. Okay, you're pro-free speech. What does that mean? Does it mean that anyone can harass anyone else online for any reason? We know that's literally illegal in day-to-day life, so what's the line? And that's an idea worth posing to ourselves. What are the limits? And how might we hold all news outlets, not just the fringe outlets, responsible for what they're sharing and perpetuating? And how might we do the same within our families, within our friend groups, and within ourselves? Morantz continues by saying, we've ended up in this bizarre dynamic online where some people see bigoted propaganda as being edgy or being dangerous and cool, and people see basic truth and human decency as pearl clutching or virtue signaling or just boring. And the social media algorithms, whether intentionally or not, incentivize this because bigoted propaganda is great for engagement. Everyone clicks on it. Everyone comments on it, whether they love it or they hate it. He argues that the number one thing that has to happen is that social networks need to fix their platforms. Instead of optimizing for maximum emotional engagement, when maximum emotional engagement turns out to be actively harming the world, it's time to optimize for something else. We also need to create better pathways or suggest healthier pathways for angsty teens. We can do this on a personal level when we come across something we think is really creative and thoughtful. Instead of sharing clickbait or hot button topics that everyone's already excruciatingly aware of or perpetuating aggravation, we can share that teen's creative thing, even if it's not flooding us with high arousal emotion. We can also stop engaging when our friends share those kinds of negative but high arousal items. If engagement is driving the popular narratives, this is how we alter what's most seen on the internet. Because these algorithms, as powerful as they are, they're taking their behavioral cues from us. Morantz closes with a final thought. A few years ago, it was really fashionable to say that the internet was a revolutionary tool that was going to bring us all together. It's now more fashionable to say that the internet is a huge, irredeemable dumpster fire. Neither caricature is really true. We know the internet is just too vast and too complex to be all good or all bad. And the danger with these ways of thinking, whether it's the utopian view that the internet will inevitably save us or the dystopian view that it will inevitably destroy us, either way, we're letting ourselves off the hook. There is nothing inevitable about our future. The internet is made of people. People make decisions at social media companies. People make hashtags trend or not trend. People make societies progressive or regressive. When we internalize that fact, we can stop waiting for some inevitable future to arrive and actually get to work now. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. See you again Monday. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.